training is expensive. So for the investment in wages, revenue we give up to hold the meetings, and our own energy and effort put into preparation, we surely want to see a reasonable ROI. But many business owners and leaders feel discouraged by what they perceive to be a lack of performance and behavioral changes after making these big investments in training. Stay tuned and I'll tell you why I think that happens and how I overcame this serious problem myself. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. As you probably can guess or know by listening to this podcast for any length of time, one of the most common complaints I hear is some version of, my team just doesn't get it. Or, I don't know why we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. We talk about this stuff all the time. Here's a couple of things I've learned absolutely the hard way. Again, none of the things I talk about here or with my clients or anything in business or leading people or any of that stuff, none of this stuff was I born with naturally. Nearly all the things I talk about, I had to learn the hard way or at best learn from just a great mentor who caught me before I was making massive blunders. But here's a couple of things regarding training and employee performance that I've absolutely learned the hard way. The first thing is, if just telling them to do the thing worked, we'd only have to have a few meetings a year. And we wouldn't have that feeling that we're still doing poorly in the things we've talked about repeatedly. So I'm going to say this again. If just telling them to do the thing worked, We would only have to have a few meetings per year. In other words, me standing in front of the room of people or me having one-on-one conversations and just telling them, here's what we need you to do. If that strategy worked, we wouldn't have these conversations about feeling like my employees don't get it and why are we struggling with the things over and over again. So if I can't just stand in front of the room or just have a face-to-face conversation where I tell them the thing, then what else am I supposed to do? But this is a this is a thing that none of us are born knowing how to do. And quite frankly, our entire careers and even our lives, it's not really modeled. When you're a toddler, your parents aren't asking you, hey, how do you think you should behave? When you go to school, your elementary school teachers aren't asking you, hey, what do you think we should do today? <laughs> when you go into junior high and high school or if you go to college, like people are not asking you along the way through childhood your opinion on how things ought to be. Now, maybe that's changing some now, but at least I can tell you when I was, you know, a kid and all through school and things like people weren't asking my opinion on a lot of this stuff. Right. And then you go get a job and you go to McDonald's and they don't ask you how you think they, you know, the fries ought to be cooked. They tell you, and then you go get your first real job and then they, and they tell you, and it's a series of people just telling us things. And I'm not criticizing that. That's just that's just how it works. So I'm not I'm not like wishing it was a different way. What I am saying is what's modeled for us our entire lives, 
up until the point where we take a leadership role or own a company is the way you communicate to people who are beneath you in the organizational chart or subordinate in some way, like your children or pupils or whatever is you just tell them what to do. And I, and I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not making it, I'm not trying to make it sound like a bad thing. Like there's, <laughs> I would not be a fan of asking eight year olds their opinion on th- a lot of things on how the school day should work. I'm not suggesting that they should be different. What I'm saying is, we're not taught how to do it any differently. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in a leadership role and that just doesn't work. Now, as you've heard me talk about before, I'm guessing in 1932 that did work when people are standing in food lines to support their family and they, you know, unemployment's 18% or whatever it was. And people are just ecstatic to have a job. You probably could just tell them what to do and they probably would go do it, but that's not the environment we're in right now. And it doesn't matter if I like it or not. It doesn't matter if it's fair or not. It's just reality. So I'm going to circle back and I'm going to say this one more time and I'm going to move on. If just telling them to do the thing worked, we wouldn't be having these conversations. So telling them is not working. That's the thing we have to just like absolutely force ourselves to, to comprehend and force ourselves to remind our, you know, ourselves all the time. I can't just stand in front of them and tell them the thing. That does not work. Period. All right. Second thing is, again, you've heard me talk about this a lot. If you've listened to free length of time at all, people are exceedingly unlikely to achieve an outcome they cannot articulate or for which they can't accurately, accurately describe the urgency or compelling consequences for getting wrong or significant benefits of getting right. In other words, if they don't know why it matters and they don't know what we're trying to accomplish, it just the likelihood of, of success goes way down. Again, one of the, the, the simplest but easiest to understand examples I give is, you know, for me as a business owner with a fleet of 40-something vehicles, accident prevention was perhaps the most important thing that we did. My greatest liability as a business owner was having 40-something vehicles on the road every day. Business owners know this. Business leaders know this. And employees, when I stand in front of the room and tell them this, again, when I tell them this, they nod and smile and they say, yep, we got it, boss. We understand that's really important. And then they go out and do what they want to do. And if I called 10,000 employees who drove company vehicles and I said, what are the top one, two or three most important things you do every single day on your job? How many out of 10,000 would say not having a vi- an accident in the vehicle company vehicle I'm driving? I would guess, unless they're like their owner's kid (laughs) or something like that. I'm talking just like straight employees, not any kind of leadership role, not any kind of ownership role. Out of 10,000, I would guess it'd be far less than 50. I would be shocked, honestly, if it was more than five or 10 out of 10,000. Now, so what I'm saying is there's a huge disconnect in what I know as the business owner and a business leader that arguably the most important thing we do every day is our, our fleet of 40-something vehicles on the road is not have a vehicle accident that day. It's more important than the thing we do to make money. It's more important than customer satisfaction because if we wreck vehicles on a regular basis, we can't get insurance, we go out of business. So arguably the most important thing we do is this thing, not having accidents. But if I call 10,000, employees who drive company vehicles and said, what's the most important things you do? Top one, two, or three. I think we would all estimate it'd be shocking if there's more than just a handful who would say accident prevention. So why is that? Well, again, just telling them 
clearly doesn't work. Now, it'd be interesting to do a study on this so I could like actually quote the study or something like that. I don't have the 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 time or the funds to to call ten thousand people or pay somebody to call ten thousand people, but someday I'm going to probably. So I could say when we did it, here's the math to actually prove my thesis rather than us all just kind of knowing in our gut that this is right. But um, you know, perhaps you've heard me talk about the question I sometimes ask people. You know, when, when I when people reach out to me, they want help, or you know, sometimes it's they just you know. Um, they're trying to figure out how this all works. Like, how does it, how does it, what's a, a financial and business arrangement with a guy like you, Brian, look like? And they and they reach out, whatever. And we have these exploratory calls. Like, we you know, I ask them what's going on. You know, what do you, what's what's going well? What's not going well? What are your goals? That kind of stuff. And inevitably, we'll get to a point where they're they're like venting or describing frustrations they have, and it's some version generally of you know my team's not getting it or I'm having these problems or whatever. And I'll say like you know what are the top one two or three problems. And it's rarely technical problems. It's rarely that, you know, the, the tax returns aren't being done correctly. It's rarely that the, you know, for like the marketing folks I work with, it's rare. It's rarely that the, the, the SEO stuff's not being done correctly. It's, you know, for the, the electrician business owners I work with, it's rarely that the electrical work is not being done correctly. It's almost always things like my employees don't take initiative. They don't communicate well. There's sometimes some safety or accident prevention or, or risk things involved anyhow i'll ask him like you know what are your top one two or three problems and they'll tell me and sometimes i'll have to be like okay 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 i got it i got it i got it back up i i got you because <laughs> we'll go on for quite a while where they you know and in, in their defense they don't get a chance to do this a lot so i get it you know like what are your top one two three problems and we'll we'll talk about that at for a while for a few minutes right and then i'll say okay on those top one two or three problems how many hours did you spend last year training on those and the response I get is usually like this. Mm, obviously not enough. <laughs> so it's always, it's always like an awkward silence followed by a, yeah, I know I got to work on that. But Brian, you're thinking, you don't get it. It feels like we're talking about this stuff nonstop. And that's correct. We are talking about this stuff. See my first hard lesson I've learned the hard way. If we talking about this stuff worked, we wouldn't have to talk about this stuff very often. So my suggestion is, and what worked for me, is leading a conversation in which they are talking about it, meaning the employees. If I want people to, to become a, truly aware and genuinely, sincerely know in their gut, in, in every part of them knows that accident prevention is arguably the most important thing we do, then the only way I can understand if they get that or not is if they are talking about it. The only way it, it gets drilled into their brain is if they are talking about it. So if we say, yeah, we are talking about this stuff all the time. And I say, yeah, you're probably right. You are talking about this all the time. But you talking about it does not lead to the outcome we want. So what do you want training to do? Personally, my goal for training is to prevent future problems. Meaning I'm teaching things. I'm not instructing on how to do. I'm teaching them. I'm teaching, uh, educating them so they can make really good decisions. I'm not instructing them to do a thing step by step. It's a difference between having a strategy of wanting improvement, which I want, because improvement, if the company can improve and the employees can make the company grow and things like that without my direct involvement, I get to go do the things I like to do. And I'm a selfish guy. If I want compliance, 
then I will focus on instructing them to do the thing I want step by step. But again, my belief is in this current climate, me telling them is not going to work. And that means I'm going to have to babysit it. And again, I'm selfish. I don't like babysitting. They don't like me babysitting. Bad things happen come or bad things come about when I start babysitting. So personally, I want to prevent future problems. And I know that me talking about it does not do that. So it's important to understand those two things. Now, of course, I still need to address certain current issues. But if we look at our training over a year, what percentage of our training and meeting time should be dedicated to addressing current issues? And what percentage should be spent preventing future problems? And, you know, your, your thoughts on that might be different than mine. I certainly was willing to invest more time and money in preventing future problems. Again, though, I'm a selfish guy. I like freedom. I wanted to, as quickly as I could, I wanted not to be there every day. And I went from working six or seven days a week the first few years to working five days a week to working four days a week to working three days a week. And over time, over a few years, it, my investment paid off. But we invested heavily in training and we invested heavily in educating them. Lots of things they would need to know to make really good decisions. So if you call one of my people, I'll give you an example. I'll even give you a real life example, not an if. We had hired an employee and by this time, you know, again, I'm working three days a week. We had a leadership team in place. I didn't do the hiring. I just kind of bumped into this new employee who had been with the company for a couple of weeks. I honestly didn't know their name. I not I was not involved in the hiring process. Um, maybe I'd been on vacation for, I don't, I don't remember the details, but I, you know, Hey, you know, tell me your name. Nice to meet you. I'm Brian. And, uh, how long have you been here? Oh, a couple of weeks. Well, okay. Well, it's kind of weird that I'm, for the first time as a business owner, meeting an employee who's been here a couple of weeks. And I didn't know who they are. And uh, so that's kind of, kind of fun in a way and kind of shocking in another. But anyhow, I asked him, like, what are the most important things we do here? And he said, he named the three and accident prevention was one of them. And I was like, we did it. We did it. I didn't have to tell this guy that. And he's only been here two weeks. So this is something that right out of the gate, somebody else told him. Somebody he's writing with, you know, or, or working with or whatever. And again, at that time, it's not a coincidence. I was working three days a week. And the reason I was able to work three days a week is because they truly got it. So all those times and hours and, and whatever preparation and actually teaching in the training meetings of, of how to prevent future problems paid off to the point where I got to do what I want to do, which is take four day weekends every week. So this is what I'm talking about with like, there, there is an ROI, but we have to commit time to preventing fires, not just complaining about the fires we had last week or the fires we had today. So another way to look at this is figure out the kind of things that five-star reviews in your industry are written about. Now, generally speaking, when I look at these kinds of things with people, 80% of five-star reviews are about the experience or more, and 20% or less are about the expertise or quality. Now, I know there's going to be tons of people listening going, well, it's different for me. You don't understand. Okay. Well, um. When I've looked at this with people, it you know the spread is pretty pretty high. People generally, I believe, people generally expect us to know how to fix the thing. We can certainly get one star reviews if we don't fix the thing, but it's not likely we're going to get five star reviews because we put the garbage disposal in correctly. It's not likely we're going to get five star reviews because we did the tax return correctly. People generally expect that stuff. We get five star reviews because the customer perceives that our people went above and beyond, or they had a better experience because we communicated exceptionally well. And they just haven't had that experience for a long time, last few years, which is certainly true. And we stood out as somebody who like, does an exceptionally good job with the experience, not just the technical thing. So anyhow, what are the things for you in your industry that create five-star reviews? 
It'd be a really good indication on how I should invest my training time. The things that customers are paying attention to and, and giving raving reviews about are the things I want to spend time educating and training on. So once we figure out what to talk about, we need to have conversations in our training and other meetings. We are largely asking questions like, what do you think the most important things we do are? Like I just asked that kid who'd been there two weeks. And if they drive company vehicles and don't answer with accident prevention, I know that they don't understand that accident prevention is a priority because I just asked them point blank, what's the most important thing you do? And if they say something like, um, I don't know, make sure that the tax return is done right. Okay. But, which again, if I don't own an accounting firm, that would be one of my things for sure, but it's not the thing. It's one of the things, right? So I'm going to ask him these questions. Like, what do you think the most important things we do are? And I'm going to lead conversations where they come to know what the most important things are. They come to know what success looks like. They come to know why it matters. And they, I can only verify that. And they can only come to truly, genuinely, sincerely know this stuff. Like not, not repeat and not platitudes, but like know it. And like firmly believe it, not pretend. Like firmly believe it. They can only do that if they are talking about it. And I can only verify they do it or know it when they are talking about it. I can't even verify if they know the thing if I'm doing all the talking. They nod and smile. I say any questions. They say no. They walk out. And I have no idea who got it and who didn't. All I know is they smiled and nodded at the right time. So once I've done that and they're talking about it, and I ask, I ask my question, what's the most important things we do? And sometimes they'll get it in the beginning and sometimes they won't. And then I'll ask again next time and the next time and the next time until one day they will get it. And when that happens, their behavior truly changes, at least in my experience. Once they can say what success looks like on all these things we complain about, and they can say why it really matters, and they can explain to me how they're really you know, taking this knowledge and applying it to their day-to-day -day stuff, and they're the ones talking about this stuff, that's when my life changed. So first thing to do is figure out what are the kinds of things we need to talk about? What are the kinds of things that would put out fire or prevent fires rather than discussing current fires? What are the things that five-star reviews are written about? Once I know that, then I figure out like how much of our overall training time in a year should be dedicated to those kinds of topics versus, you know, the housekeeping thing, who's on vacation and what's the status of this job and where's our, you know, our sales close rate and all those kinds of things we talk about. I'm not saying they're not important, but what I'm saying is what percentage of my time should we talk about those things versus these things that prevent future problems. And then once I have that and I begin leading conversations where they are talking about the things we must do instead of me talking about the things we must do, because when they're talking, I can assess where they're close, where they get it, where they don't. And they only come to know these things when they are truly talking about it. So, all right. Hope you found this helpful. I'm fine. I've, or I should say, I found that these kinds of conversations and topics are things that, you know, again, we're not, we're not giving an instruction manual, you know, and the, the frustrations we have are largely because when we do training. We're just, we just default to what we know, which is just standing in front of people telling them things. And, you know, listen, maybe your experience is different than mine. I have decades of experience of that not working. <laughs> and people come to me because they have decades of experience of that not working. And so one of the things that I know is that to get the results we want, we just have to change our strategy and start doing some of the things I'm talking about. There's a few other things also, which we'll get to in other episodes. But this is a great place to start. If you find this information I share helpful, please share this podcast with a friend or colleague you think can benefit from it. And if you know anybody who owns a business in the service industry, I promise you they can benefit from this one. Of course, public sharing is also appreciated, but you know, you never know how you might just truly change somebody's life by sharing like this particular episode and, and you know, specifically like this is one that could truly change people's lives and make their life a lot easier. So if you know someone who leads a team of people or has a 
group of employees they manage or owns a business. It's a great episode to share, and I appreciate it if you did. Anyhow, that's it for this week, and I'll talk to you all next week.